My mother's people were all coal miners. My father's people were all steel workers. They all worked in the mills. I don't believe in miracles. I believe in Pittsburgh. We play for city and country. The city is Pittsburgh, and this is Steelers country. All right, this is Steeler country. I'm your host, Tony. Preseason week three in the books. The Pittsburgh Steelers lose to the Indianapolis Colts 19-12. to And this was the dress rehearsal game. This is the game we finally get to see. Ben, A.B., James Harrison, you know, the, the veterans that Tomlin likes to rest for the entire preseason. Um, this is the one chance we get to see them in a preseason game. So this one feels the most real, right? Uh, and I think, you know, first impressions in this game, was obviously we wanted to see Ben, A.B., and Martavis, right, the, the deadly uh, trio there at, at quarterback and wide receiver. We weren't going to see Le'Veon. He's still holding out. But, you know, wanting to see A.B. and Martavis out there, uh, Ben throwing them the ball, and, you know, the thing that actually stood out to me was was not necessarily A.B., although I thought he played, you know, obviously great. And he's in midseason form making uh, making throws behind his body and, and or making catches behind his body. And Martavis, you know, I think he's going to be a little more slow going as he, you know, kind of gets reacclimated to, to playing NFL football after a year off. Um, but he made some plays. But I think the guy that really stood out on the offense and. And the thing that, that struck me was, was how good Eli Rogers was in this offense or, or potentially how good Eli Rogers could be in this offense. You know, you think back to last year and, and how much of a big deal we made, was made about Ladarius Green being brought into this offense and just another weapon and that kind of thing. And, and I talked a lot last year about Eli Rogers and, and having a guy in that third wide receiver spot who can find open space and who can be kind of a shifty guy, a, a guy that Steelers really haven't had in their offense very often. Um, this year, I don't think he's going to get. I think last year Eli played very well, but let's let's not forget that he got probably a lot more attention than a third wide receiver in this offense should get because of the fact that the guy opposite AB was not Martavis, and it wasn't even Sammy Coates. It was you know it was a lot of times it was Kobe Hamilton, uh, who you know you're not really schematically you know you're not really doing anything to to limit Kobe Hamilton, right? You're almost daring the offense to beat you with Kobe Hamilton. And so Eli Rogers, in a lot of ways, became the second option of those wide receivers. I don't think that's going to happen this year. In fact, I'm pretty I'm pretty confident that's not going to happen this year. And so he's really going to have a chance to shine. This, this is his, you know, he really needs to capitalize on this opportunity. The third wide, I think the third wide receiver, just in general in this offense, can be absolutely deadly. When you're talking about designing defenses that, you know, have to bring a safety over, to, to AB side or potentially, you know, also have to bring a safety over to Martavis' side if they don't want to get beat deep. I mean, you know, and then you're opening up the middle of the field. Um, it's, it, it can be, this, this can be a, uh, a very fun offense this year. The kind of offense we thought we were going to have last year before you kind of got decimated by injury. And I think this third, you know, third wide receiver being such a deadly piece of this offense is probably another big reason why they took Juju. You know, Juju bringing competition in there for Eli, Potentially pushing him for that for that uh, slot receiver spot, or and then just providing depth at that position, and then you know, and then of course him being a young guy, he will eventually grow into a much bigger role 
on this team. But as a rookie, you know, he's going to he's gonna be uh, another impact player. And you saw that in this game. Uh, I, I think, first of all, extremely glad he didn't re-aggravate whatever, you know, the knee injury that he had, the, the, the bone bruise. Um, you know, when it seemed like that first play when he got hit and, and he went down and was it seemed like he had re-aggravated the knee, obviously you're just thinking, you know, it's another snake bit player that the Steelers have taken, you know, reminiscent of Senquez Golson, um, who, who's never seen the field for the Steelers in a preseason game. And Juju, this preseason, it's just been a, a constant injury, one injury after another. But he, he was able to come back in this game, play, he's, he's, he's healthy, and he made some good plays. I, I'm excited to have him on the roster because when we, we went into the season, we started talking about how, how great the depth at this wide receiver spot can be. And the, there were unknowns there, right? How good would Justin Hunter be? How good would Juju be? How would Sammy Coates be able to to get over the the hamstring issue that that he had last year and the the broken fingers that he had? And I think at least for Juju, you know, it, it's there, right? So now you start to talk about AB, Martavis, Eli, Juju. You know, you have four good wide receivers on this team. Um, you know, that that great depth is starting to become a reality. Uh, speaking of of Sammy and and Justin Hunter and Darius Hayward Bay, I mean. You know, Sammy got some reps in this game. Uh, you know, he didn't make any real noticeable plays. I think he had one catch. Um, Darius Hayward Bay got a bunch of special teams reps in this game, as he usually does. But Justin Hunter didn't get either. I think he only played like two or three plays maybe at all in this game. And I think that's, you know, that kind of tells you all you need to know about uh, where the Steelers are at wide receiver. I think the wide receiver spot is pretty much solidified as, as to who's going to make the roster. I think it's Antonio Brown, Mart- Martavis Bryant, Eli Rogers. Juju Smith-Schuster, Sammy Coates, Darius Hayward-Bay. And, and I really can't see another guy breaking in. It, it's disappointing to me because I, I thought DeMarcus Ayers would also make a real run at that that last spot, that spot where Darius Hayward-Bay is, uh, the, the, the sixth spot. But he was hurt. Ayers was just hurt all of training camp. And he, he says he's back now. He wants to play against Carolina. I just don't think there's enough time left for him to, to make that impact that's going to that's going to get the coaching staff to to cut one of those six guys and keep DeMarcus Ayers but he'll go back to the practice squad he'll go back to the practice squad where, where he was last year he'll still be on the team he'll still be kind of what is will, will be a seventh wide receiver on the scene if any sort of catastrophic injury were to happen to one of those guys uh you know DeMarcus Ayers is kind of next man up look he's a guy who spent a lot of last year on on practice squad uh, he got better and better in practice as the season went along until the point where coaching staff felt like they had to bring him into the offense. And he made plays in Baltimore against Cleveland at the end of the year and then into the playoffs against Miami and, and Kansas City. Uh, he made some plays. And so, you know, I think, I think he can uh, potentially uh, compete for that roster spot again, but it just won't be right now. I think, it, again, it's going to be as the season goes along. As we talk about that third wide receiver spot and how deadly it can be, another thing I talked about last year uh, was how good having a, a big athletic, you know, tight end in this offense could be with Ladarius Green. Now, Ladarius Green, you know, unfortunately, you know, the, the concussion thing just caught up with him, and and that wasn't going to work out. The Steelers cut him back in um, March or April, and this was a spot I talked about, you know, two weeks ago on the podcast. I said I I didn't like the depth that this team had at tight end. I was surprised that they didn't make any additions or, or, or add anyone in the offseason just to bring another body in there and and uh, get some competition. And then today the Steelers made a trade, and they, they actually did acquire a tight end. They traded for a tight end from the San Francisco 49ers, Vance McDonald, uh, 
They traded a fourth-round pick for Vance McDonald and the 49ers' fifth-round pick. So essentially moving down from what would what will probably be near the end of the fourth round into what will probably be near the beginning of the fifth round. So potentially moving down by 10, 15 picks, right? I, I like this move a lot with Vance McDonald. Um, you know, here, here's a guy who can address a real need on this team. Vance McDonald, first of all, is a was a starter on San Francisco. Not a huge, not a huge uh, player. Not, you know, not a superstar by any means, right? But somewhat of a, a ho hum kind of guy. But in an offense like ours, where where Jesse James was able to make some big plays in big moments last year, just because of the amount of playmakers that we had, and we were able to, you know, he was able to find his space. I think if you you add in, you know, a a quality a, a quality tight end uh, into that position, you know, someone who has more ability to make combat catches, to make run after, to do, you know, to run after the catch, um, someone who's better in the red zone. Look, I don't want to diss Jesse James. I think he's an okay starter. Um, I think you know he had his moments last year, but he like like against Indy when you know when he has that that combat catch he's going to make, and I know the defender comes in from behind, but he's got to make that catch. He's, you know that's the kind of thing that he has to do, and uh, he's just never been okay in that role. And I think with uh, with Vance McDonald now, here's a guy who has a chance uh, to to do just that to to be a real playmaker in this offense. The same way that we were counting on Ladarius Green last year to be that playmaker, right? And we start talking about, you know, again, A.B., Martavis, Le'Veon, Eli Rogers in the slot. Now you bring in Vance McDonald, right? Just continue to add weapons to this to this offense and you just, you know, you got to utilize them in the right way. But But this addresses, to me, the biggest thing about the Vance McDonald trade is that it addresses a real need on the team and it's not just... That we upgraded at tight end. It's that we potentially upgraded in the red zone. That was a huge, huge disappointment last year. Was the Steelers' inability to score in the red zone in big moments, and especially this happened in the playoffs. Go back to Kansas City. Go back to the the end of the second half against New England. Big moments to put the ball in the back of the end zone, and in Kansas City, it was about putting that game away. And in in New England, it was about keeping that game competitive. And in neither case, this team could punch it in. You know, I know we're going to have Martavis this year, and that'll probably make the red zone offense a little better as well, just because you can throw little spades to him, and he's a, you know he's a big guy, he can use his size. But he, but Vance McDonald is another guy who I believe he scored you know whatever it was seven five touchdowns whatever it was last year, four of them being in the red zone, four of them being uh, touchdowns scored in the red zone. That's key. That is not just oh I upgraded tight end so I can do all these other things. Right? This isn't like in Madden when you go from like an eighty one tight end to an eighty seven. This is addressing a real st- uh, schematic need that this team had, um, a schematic deficiency that this team had, and and being able to address it that way. So I'm excited about Vance McDonald. I hope that he gets, you know, it's too bad we couldn't have made this trade like a week ago so that he could have gotten some time with the offense out there against the Colts. But he'll get worked into the offense as we go, and, and uh, I expect to see him being the starting tight end. Um, you know, whether, whether that's in Cleveland or, or, or a little bit down the line, he will certainly... Uh, have that shot. Let's transition to talk about the defense because uh, I know that's what uh, I think that's what people want to talk about after this game, huh? Uh, it's another disappointing one. Pretty much the same as last week, really. Uh, you know, just just. Uh, but again, I'm I'm not really interested in making the blanket statement that like we have a bad defense, right? I'm not really interested in in talking about you know um, the overall big picture of the defense because again, I think a lot of this. 
you know, has to do with schematics and, and, um, right, you know, real football before we can talk about having a good or bad defense. I tweeted this week a Bill Belichick quote, um, that I thought was really good and, and it went into, you know, kind of how you're evaluating players in the preseason and not necessarily your team in the preseason. And making that distinction. And Belichick was asked about, you know, how does he buy into this sort of that the third preseason game is this big important thing and, 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 you know, you want to play well in that game. And he says, uh, no, I don't know why anybody would say that in all honesty. I've watched every game in the league over the last three years and there's very little scheme in any of those games. So players are basically, particularly in our game against Detroit, we ran our basic plays. They ran their basic plays. There was very little scheming in the game. So that's not anything like the way it's going to be in the regular season. But it's the best way to evaluate your players, what they've been taught to do. So that's the same way it was in Houston. That's the same way it was in Jacksonville. I'm not really sure what it means, quote, dress rehearsal. And I think, you know, that's really the point here, right? Is yes, we can, we can go over guys who didn't play well. But we start talking about, you know, oh, the defense isn't playing well and the defense isn't good. That's when I start to roll my eyes and go, okay, hold on. There's a lot of things that go into playing good defense. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, because Ross Cockrell is not playing well, that the defense isn't playing well. So let's start there, right? Let's address the cornerback situation because this is the one where everyone's freaking out. And, and I want to start where we where we ended last week's podcast. I talked a lot about Deshaun Phillips. That trade happened about five minutes before I started recording the podcast. Um, so I kind of give you guys my initial thoughts. And as I said at the end of last week's podcast, it, it could have been it could be much ado about nothing, right? Or it, it could mean major upheaval in the secondary. And I still think both those things could be true. You know, I think this could be much ado about nothing. He didn't play at all against the Colts. So we have nothing to go on with Deshaun Phillips. Nothing. We'll see how much playing time he really gets against the Panthers. I don't know if he's going to make this roster. I don't know where he fits because, again, we didn't see him. But as far as the – the, I think what, what this trade spoke to was kind of that upheaval that we were talking about, which is the Steelers just aren't comfortable with where they are at cornerback right now, at the talent level of cornerback right now. So regardless of whether or not they can scheme their way out of this one, talent is an issue at corner. And, and I think this goes to the the Ross Cockrell, Cody Sensible situation, right? Tomlin confirmed it last week. We talked about it last week on the podcast. Tomlin confirmed it uh, a couple days later saying that this is pretty much a fight for the starting role here. Cody Sensible got first team reps in practice and then was rotated into the game in within the starting defense um, for that first half and really throughout the entire game. The problem that I have with this situation is that this is not a case of, in which Cody Sensabaugh, a free agent, has come in and played so well that we have to bench Ross Cockrell. Or we, have to, we have to evaluate whether or not we should bench, bench Ross Cockrell. Not because of Ross Cockrell playing poorly, but because Cody Sensabaugh is playing so well that he's actually outshining our current starter. That's not the, excuse me, that's not the case. It's the, other, it's the other way. It's that Ross Cockrell is just not getting better, and he's actually in ways getting worse. He's getting beat deep. He's getting beat in man-to-man situations. He didn't have any like real standout plays in this game. There's nothing I look at in this game and go, well, that's the reason you have to bench him. I mean, other than the fact that he just, you know, he he you cannot get beat deep in our defense, and he's done that multiple times this preseason. But I mean, I go back to the PI call that he got called for, and it's like, okay, that's a little ticky tack. I actually thought he had pretty good coverage on that play. I just don't like the fact that we're, you know, it's not like Cody Sensball has been like a splash guy this this preseason or a guy you've really gone whoa this is this is this is new this is a good you know I like this guy it hasn't really been that right it's more of just been like eh 24 has been okay 31 he kind of sucks 
right? And that's not a good position for you to be in, at your, especially at your starting corner spot. On the other side, you have Mike Hilton versus William Gay, which is another spot where we're, we're have a competition here for potentially starting nickel corner. But this is the opposite situation, right? This is the situation that you want. This is a young guy, Mike Hilton, coming in, kind of a journeyman guy. Uh, he's, he's been to, what, Jacksonville and, and New England. Um, now he comes to, to Pittsburgh. He does really well in minicamp. He does really well in training camp. Makes a name for himself in preseason. And he's impressed the coaching staff enough that he's going to start to get starting reps at nickel ahead of William Gay. I think it's pretty clear that Mike Hilton's going to make the roster. I'd be shocked if they gave Mike Hilton these starting reps against Indianapolis and then go on to cut him. He certainly didn't. He certainly didn't do anything to screw up his roster spot. I think the real question I have with, with the Mike Hilton situation is that are, are we really going to consider him the starting nickel? Is the coaching staff really going to consider him to, to take over for William Gay, a guy who was a veteran in this defense? We have counted on year after year. You know, a guy who plays better in the nickel. I find that very hard to believe. I find it hard to believe that Mike Hilton's really going to take over at that position. He certainly provides good depth, and I like that. And when we saw the Steelers go to the dime in in this game, uh, it was it was not Robert Golden coming out there, which was what we did last year, but it was Mike Hilton and William Gay coming out there in the dime, which again I like. So you know, it's an, it, this is an interesting one for me. I find it very hard to believe Mike Hilton will actually be the starter week one. But again, he will be. I think he will be a contributor this year, maybe in the dime. Uh, you know, if there is any kind of injury, of course he'll be there. Uh, but I think another. I think this is a good situation for us because it's an evaluation that's happening because Mike Hilton is playing so well. It's about a trust factor at the end of the day. Another guy I want to talk about is, is rookie Cam Sutton, number twenty, who got playing time this week for the first time. He's been injured a little bit of camp, so he missed the first couple preseason games. I thought he did really well. You'll probably remember number 20 because he's the one that had that diving pass breakup. And, you know, with, with players like this, what I like is, you know, with, with cornerbacks, when they're bad, it's like, oh, God, this, you know, he keeps number 30, you know, 31 keeps giving it up every time. Every, you know, every third down, they go to 31's guy, right? That's the bad corner. That's how you recognize the bad corner. You, you recognize the corner you like because, and this is normally the case with like ball hockey type corners, right? Guys who are very good when the ball is in the air at breaking on the ball and, and making impact plays. Um, and those are kind of the, whoa, who was that, right, kind of corner. Cam Sutton had that in this game, right? He was clearly the whoa corner in this game. Um, and then you have, you know, you have the kind of the ho-hum corner, which is like you never really – you don't really talk about him at all. You never really see him in the game. And those are usually because he's playing well enough that the quarterback's just not throwing his way, right? Cam Sutton kind of fit into that whoa factor. I'm interested to see – where he's going to fit on this defense, if he's just going to be a nickel guy like they used him in this game. He, look, he's a third-round pick. Carnell Lake talked really highly about him um, after the draft. And, and I think he talked about using him at both the nickel and on the outside. So I'll be interested to see if they actually do that or if they just see him as more of a nickel guy. Uh, but again, I, I like what I saw from him. I think you know he could potentially replicate that arty path where he can he'll contribute more as the season goes along. It's very hard for rookies to get significant playing time, especially early in this defense. And we saw this last year with, with already not really playing early, only really playing in the, you know, in dime situations or in, in, in uh, six defensive back situations. Um, and then uh, we saw Sean Davis play a little bit in the nickel, but he got, you know, quickly demoted there and then eventually moved to safety as the year went on, right? I think Cam Sutton could fit into that mold of like, 
we're not going to see a lot of Cam Sutton early in the year, but we could see him, you know, as the as the years go on. It's not going to make any Steeler fan feel better if I told you that, you know, hey, we have we have Artie Burns, we have Mike Hilton, we have Cam Sutton, right? There are some young guys on this team who are flashing talent that are very young. So maybe corner won't be a position of strength this year. And I think a lot of people wanted it, you know, wanted that major upheaval. Um, but it potentially could be there, you know, in a, in a year or two, right? We have the, the kind of the core young element there to make what is, what is a poor secondary, what was a poor secondary a year ago. And this year I think it's getting better into what could be a good to great secondary in the, in the years to come. But right now, you know, there's, there, this team is still client, trying to find that right mix, uh, of, of who, who fits best into, into this defense and who has the most talent. Um, and, and again, as I said with the, the Ross Cockroach, Cody Sensabaugh situation, I think that's going in the wrong direction, which is very disappointing to me because, uh, I, I thought Ross Cockroach could be, could be better this year. Uh, one other guy in the secondary I want to mention, I, I talked about him last week. Robert Golden, uh, played poorly again in this game. He's played poorly all preseason. And I think this just, this goes to the point that the Steelers, I mean, they choked on safety this year. Really in the offseason, they had to address this position. And they just didn't. I, I get that they have Sean Davis. Mike Mitchell is a veteran starter. But depth at a lot of positions uh, was an issue last year. And it was addressed in this offseason. But safety was not one of them. They didn't bring in any safeties. I mean, Damon Stafford was brought in from Tennessee, uh, you know, kind of a journeyman guy, but he retired as as soon as training camp started, so he never actually played for this team. But that was not that's not the kind of you know that's not the kind of guy you want you need to bring in to challenge a guy like Robert Golden. The problem I have at safety is not with Sean Davis and it's not with Mike Mitchell. It's the fact that we are razor thin, you know. When we, when we brought in Cody Sensabaugh, when we brought in Mike Hilton, we started to bring in that rotation of defensive guys to kind of give guys more reps with, with the starters. Robert Golden was also taken out of, taken out too. Robert Golden has played all these preseason reps because Mike Mitchell's hurt. Mike Mitchell's got a hamstring injury and hopefully he'll be back for week one. And really hopefully he'll be back for week one because Robert Golden has not played well. He was a liability in the dime last year. He was a liability as a starter last year. It's why Sean Davis got moved from the nickel into a starting safety spot in his rookie year. Robert Golden was was very good two years ago, I thought, in spots. And I thought he could be a very good starter. But it just didn't work out last year. And now those kind of moments, quote-unquote, in spots are not there either. I have I have an issue with mo- far more with, with safety than I do with corner. Because I think with corner, at least we have some depth there. And again, we have... We have a rotation that we can go to, and we can try to address that with guys on the roster. There's no one on the roster pushing Robert Golden. You know, Jordan Dangerfield, I like Jordan Dangerfield, but Jordan Dangerfield's not cutting it either, right? And I get that Robert Golden's a good special teams guy, but when, but when you hear reports out of camp that they're trying William Gay at safety, that does not inspire confidence. That does not inspire confidence. This is a position they will definitely address next offseason, and let's just hope that that safety, uh, you know, doesn't have any kind of major injury issues um, because it very well could uh, bring down what I think could be could actually be a, a potentially strong defense this year will be undercut because of depth at positions like safety. And I do want to go over other you know other notes on the defense here. Um, defensive line I thought looked you know look this is 
I said it during the evaluation. I said it last week. The the defense will be the anchor of this defense, no doubt about it. This is this is the strongest group on the defense, and it's not. It's it's really not even close. Javon Hargrave continues to look very very strong. I think he is without a doubt the breakout player from year one to two of the three guys of last year. Um, he he's splashing in, in preseason. I think that will, I'm hoping that will continue into the regular season because if it does, and we have. Uh, Cam Hayward healthy, Stefan Tewitt healthy, and Javon Hargrave being a beast in the middle. You know, those guys adding push, right? The Steelers keep talking about they want to only bring four and they want to get pressure. Well, if if it's about Javon Hargrave creating some of that pressure, and then you're bringing in guys like TJ Watt and Bud Dupree to finish off sacks, that's a great position to be in, right? It doesn't need to all come from the outside linebacker position, those sacks. It can start with the defensive line, and the outside linebackers are kind of there to clean it up. I think outside linebacker is, is, is a promising position for this team, right? A lot of young talent there. A lot of guys who, who have a lot of promise. Bud Dupree, TJ Watt, Chicolo, right? But it's still just promise at this point. We haven't really seen these guys, you know, flash the way we've seen a Javon Hargrave or a Stefan Tewitt or a Cam Hayward flash even during this preseason, right? TJ had some, had some good moments uh, a couple weeks ago against, against the Giants. Uh, he, he had some good plays last week. He had some good plays in this game. But he's not a consistent pass rusher yet. He got caught inside on a run. Again, he has a bad habit of doing that. Um, he, you know, the thing I like about TJ, he's still showing very good use of his hands. Um, he, he had that play where he, he nearly, uh, he got his hands up quick on a wide receiver screen, nearly blocked it. Um, you know, those are the kind of things that can, that can cause turnovers. And so you really like to see that out of those guys. As far as Bud Dupree, you know, he's using that speed rush. I mean, he's using it early. He's using it often. But it's, you know, it's just not successful. And for those two guys, it's really about winning one-on-one battles. We have a very good defensive line. right? They're going to do their job. We need these outside linebackers to win their one-on-one battles more often than they, than they don't. And that's going to be a key into the season. I, I don't think, it, I don't think out, you know, sacks are going to be a big thing. Pass rush is going to be a big thing. It doesn't have to start with the outside linebackers. It doesn't have to end with the outside linebackers. But you know, they, they, ha- they are certainly a piece in that. And so you know, we talk about having guys like Bud Dupree – you know, who could potentially be that double-digit sack guy or T.J. Watt who can be, you know, a, a very good impactful rookie on this team. You need to start to see those things play out on the field. Um, so th- that's what I'm going to be looking for as we as we go into, you know, this game against Cleveland in week one and, and that kind of thing. Ryan Chazier continues to be the play- – you know, he had interception in this game. He continues to be the playmaker of the defense. I, I have no issues with him. Um, you know, he, he has issues with going in, you know, finding the hole, but then – kind of over-pursuing it, uh, I will live with that given that he, you know, that kind of aggressiveness that he plays with leads to plays like he had uh, with that interception. Uh, you know, he, he is a playmaker of this defense. The concerns for me are a lot of what I already talked about. I think one more I'll add to that is, is you know, the coverage in the middle of the field. Lawrence Timmons was, was kept in on a lot of third down plays last year um, and, and had some issues in coverage, Vince Williams was, was supposed to be better. I don't know if he is better. Um, we'll see. Again, this this is probably going to be a schematic thing, but you know, certainly nothing I've seen in preseason you know gets me overly excited about that aspect of our team. Um, and then, of course, you know the 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 cornerback situation with with you know will we actually be getting worse at that at that position? And I, I don't mean at you know, at corner overall, right? Because I think at corner overall, we're better, right? If Cockrell were hurt last year, who comes in? Justin Gilbert? You know, we'd be in a very bad situation last year. This year, not so bad, 
But again, you don't want to see Cockrell regressing or, or having his spot lost because of, of poor play. That's it's just going the wrong way in that position. And and then, you know, look, we have a, we have some guys in this defense that need to show from year one to year two that, that they're going to make a jump uh, that we expect because the more playmakers we have on this team, and I'm talking about Bud Dupree, I'm talking about Hardy Burns, I'm talking about Sean Davis, right? I'm talking about Javon Hargrave. You know, there's so much young talent on this team that has experience, that, that has played in big moments, um, and, and we need to see them come through. 